Well, hey everybody, welcome back to Bottomless Coffee. I'm pretty sure we've got a really good one today. Uh, not just a topic, but something everyone needs. We're gonna be talking about humor. Uh, our guest today is Jonathan Thomas. Say hi, Jonathan. Hello, hello, hello. Now, Jonathan says that he's a big law attorney turned aspiring stand-up comedian. And I have to put aspiring in quotes because uh, you know, I follow him on Instagram. He's always looking like he's doing stand-up to me. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be aspiring and about humor in general. And I think uh, it'll be really interesting to talk about it, uh, at least from my perspective, like in the gay community when I was a bit younger. Uh, my humor was pretty mean. <laughs> now that I'm less young than I used to be, I feel like my humor is... Uh, a kinder, gentler, maybe more observational, less cutting, um, and more nurturing. Because I think I come, I've come to treasure my relationships more, and I know that people are vulnerable with me kind of on a regular basis at this point, and so I don't want to betray that vulnerability with a really funny joke, <laughs> even, <laughs> even if it's a good one. I try not to. Um, Hey Jonathan, tell me about hey. tell me about being a big law attorney turned uh, aspiring in quotes stand up comedian. Why, why sure, are you doing that? Sure, sure. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, first, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be doing oh, this yeah. conversation. Um, so yeah, so I um, why am I doing that? Well, um, you know, the one answer I give is that I was wanted to see if I could disappoint my parents more than when I came out as gay. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, more, <laughs> more. Yeah, you know, you, with comedy, you always need to heighten it. So I just wanted to see what would happen next. Uh, no, yeah. the, the short answer is I started to I started to do stand up while I was uh, working as a big firm lawyer in Boston, and uh, quickly fell in love with it. it. Became my obsession. Became you know the thing you think about. I was thinking about all day long in the shower, just constructing jokes and thinking about what it would be like to say this on a stage. Would an audience like that? Um, you know, what would be my first Netflix special with me and my album yeah. kind of went all in um, pretty quickly after starting stand up and um, recognized that, you know, maybe this is, you know, we, we hear a lot about callings. Maybe this is a calling. Maybe, you know, big law is not the calling because when I leave that office, um, as long as I didn't have to, I wouldn't think about anything I was working on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. but with stand up, it was very different. It was, you know, it's become the obsession. It's become the thing I think. What was your... What was your first time like in stand-up? Pretty good, actually. I, I mean, it must have been. You did it, and then you kept thinking about no, it. No, kept it doing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So I, I did an open mic, and um, I took the joke writing pretty quickly. Um, and that's that is my favorite part of, of stand-up, and we'll probably get into this hmm. later. I think, you know, according to your outline, but like constructing a joke is is the most fun for me. Um, so I would do that. And they were almost like one-liners, but they were personal in a way. They were mm. about me. And um, so I did a bunch of them and I didn't mind an open mic and they worked. Like my stage presence was terrible. I was probably up there shaking, like holding the microphone and, you know, cracks in my voice. But, sure. but the jokes were solid. Actually, a couple of them I still use today. Um, the jokes oh. were solid enough that I was getting laughs and the high from that, you know, it just kept yeah. me going. <laughs> it just kept me absolutely going. 
I mean, I can see you even like reliving that experience. You seem to be like glowing a little bit. Um, I can still picture it. I had this one joke that I told and I could still think I was at a bar in Boston, like this very like pub type situation full of straight guys. Um, It was, you know, very much like the open mic vibe that a lot of people don't like. And, um, Mm. and I had the audience going, like they were, they were into it. And I remember seeing like this guy's face and I was, as I was setting up a joke and um, he was not following like why I was saying this thing. And then all of a sudden when I hit the, when I got the punchline, his face just yeah. lit up. I can still picture that. It's like, wow, yeah, that's, that's what keeps me coming to this. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, like I was saying, I'm watching your face light up and I, I feel bad because I'm about to take that away. Uh, <laughs> Do it. Uh, so like you came to this realization that you love stand-up, but you were already in a profession that takes a lot of work. Yeah. Like you made a joke about disappointing your parents. Um, and a lot of parents do set high expectations for their children. They want, especially, uh, you know, again, I'm calling myself old. I don't know why I keep doing that today. Um, but, you know, my parents were like, you can be a doctor or a lawyer or something else that apparently requires you to take out a lot of uh, student loan debt. Um, did your parents want you to be a lawyer specifically or was it just kind of anything? Yeah, I think it was generally the same. It was doctor or lawyer, but with a, an, um, an emphasis on lawyer. My dad, mm. he, we had come to realize later in life that he wanted to be a lawyer um, and then he, he ended up going to uh, family business. He, was, he has, owns a small business with his brother, uh, my uncle. Sure. And um, I think he kind of regrets that and, and maybe didn't want me to, I don't know, pull down a similar path or, <laughs> um, sure. or, you know, also just wanted, you know, was hoping that well, I, it's, go ahead. it's security. It's a yeah. financially secure job. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're middle-class, like we, we never struggle, but hit, you know, he had hard times. Um, I learned from a young age what cash flow meant and, you know, we lived mm-hmm. through the recession, stuff like that. He was always struggling. Um, so he didn't want that for his children. Um, and I took to English and history, you know, in grade school, like a lot of you know lawyers do. Um, yeah. So you, I think you probably heard this too from a young age, like, oh, well, if you're good at English, you're good at history, then you, know, you should be a lawyer. You should be a lawyer. Yeah. Um, not knowing what- You like you, big words? Yeah, exactly. You like, you like to read? <laughs> oh, okay, you're gonna be a lawyer. Um, having no idea what it means to be a lawyer. But also mm-hmm. I was, I, I loved public speaking from an early age too. Like I would read um, at our church, we grew up Catholic. Um, and for some reason, I just started like doing the readings at church. And I loved hmm. like that. I got, the, you know, I got my early high from performing then. Um, yeah. So then it was like, oh, you're going to be a trial attorney. You're going to, you know, I could see you giving an opening statement or something like, or, you know, yes. a politician or stuff like that. So it, it all kind of just fell, fell into this narrative that I think I was getting from other people. Um, that, you know, this, my life should become an attorney. I should be an attorney. Did you, did you ever hear from people that you like to argue? Because I got that one a lot. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. You're good at arguing. You should be an attorney. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you went to law school, did the LSAT. Uh, you took the bar exam. You passed. How long have you been practicing for? Um, so I was in big law for five years. I was doing corporate work at a big law firm for five years. And then I clerked for um, in federal court for a year and a half. Okay. And so were you just miserable the whole time 
or halftime or <laughs> not i mean not terribly um it's you know it's you, you know it's it's a lot of work um yeah it's a lot of responsibility it can be very stressful but it was kind of going well uh you know i was doing pretty well at my firm they, they did like me um yeah, yeah and the, the money's good like all that was working in my favor um was but i wasn't happy like i wasn't you know didn't feel completely fulfilled you know wasn't going back to the the buzzword calling it wasn't the calling that i felt it wasn't something that i was obsessing about where there's yeah. some people that you know we were doing we're doing private funds work so setting up venture capital and um private equity funds some people that is a passion for them <laughs> and you can hear mm -hmm. it. i mean you know like you said my face was lighting up early you could see it in their face they, they light up when they talk about <laughs> setting up a venture capital fund. That was not me. <laughs> but did you, um, so I wonder if maybe you were like content at the time um, when you were practicing, but then you went into the stand-up situation and you were like, oh my gosh, this is what I should be doing. Um, did it take that contrast where you like kind of accidentally got into something that you really loved for you to be like, oh, Okay, this should be my career. I think that was a big part of it. Um, I do think mm -hmm. that's that was I, you know, I was searching for what was gonna make me happy. And obviously that's a, a lifelong mission for all of us, but um mm -hmm. I found it closer to stand up than you know what I was currently doing as a lawyer. But also, you know, I, I was working with some very talented people, um, some partners who were the top of their field, um, who were, you know, in their late 50s, early 60s didn't seem happy, <laughs> didn't seem content, yeah. didn't seem, you know, you yeah. know, they were probably made more money than they would ever need. Um, again, top of their field, recognized by their peers, and it didn't seem mm -hmm. happy. Like, at what point, you know, um, at what point do you get satisfied? Um, so I was like, I don't think I want to do that. I agree. I think I've met a lot of successful lawyers. I've met fewer happy lawyers, and you kind of have to decide for yourself what it is that you really want yeah and i think it kind of sounds like you have to be lucky enough uh to find something that makes you as happy as definitely stand up yeah. does for you yeah absolutely so, um okay i'm gonna this is gonna be like a yo-yo experience sure because first you were talking about stand-up and it was very happy and now <laughs> i moved you into talking about uh your your big law experience i want to bring you up again um <laughs> just just because you referenced constructing jokes Oh, okay. right. Yeah, and, sure. then, and I think you had you have a late in life coming out experience mm -hmm. and you made the first joke, I think, of the podcast saying that you wanted to disappoint your parents even more than you did uh, when you came out. And so um, do you have other coming out jokes? Is that like a big feature of your stand up? It, it is. Yeah, it is a big feature of my stand up. Um, I have been told that people can't tell immediately when I'm on stage if I'm gay or not. Um, oh, okay. So I tried to play with that as much as possible and see how long I can go without revealing it. And um, huh. sometimes it's, you got a good laugh out of that. <laughs> sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many assumptions people make about people who are gay. Um, you know, there's yeah. assumptions about gay men that, that people make that they want to you know, subscribe to you and um, kind of flipping those on their heads and playing with those uh, yeah. is very fruitful for jokes. Okay. Well then 
maybe first tell us about this coming out experience. Sure. My understanding is that you were 26. I was. Which is really a foot in the grave in gay years, <laughs> or it used to be. That's yeah, it, right? Um, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> oh, no, did I break this bad news for you? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, I would love to hear about your coming out experience and then maybe how that informs uh, your approach to your humor. Sure. Um, I'll give you one joke about it because it's a situation that I do use on stage sometimes. Um, so like I said, I, you know, like you mentioned, I came out late. I came out, didn't come out until I was 26. And you probably have this experience too that when you, or maybe not, but when you do come out, people ask you like, when did you first know that you were gay? Mm. Um, I first knew that I was gay 10 minutes after proposing to my girlfriend. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh God. <laughs> so yeah. So I so I I came out when in, in the midst of running out of time. <laughs> like I had about six months before um oh planned wedding day. <laughs> okay. And that's that that was the um circumstances I was in when I finally came out. So dark humor. <laughs> We're going really to a dark place. <laughs> yeah, it it all is pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> well 10 minutes before okay so you know give us give us the story this is sure. a gay friendly podcast did you know you were gay your whole life and you were you suppressing it or was it more than more like you know is it like your stand-up experience where you tried it once and you couldn't get it out of your head anymore <laughs> <laughs> no i i knew you know as soon as i hit puberty um okay that i was sexually attracted to, to boys and men um so but i just you know i i lived with that and i dealt with that and i kept telling myself well you know this is now this is fine for now but eventually you yeah. you'll find a woman you'll fall in love you'll get married you'll have kids you live in the suburbs and all will be right with the world so that's yeah. kind of what i just kept telling myself um and that was the plan and it was going according to plan until about six months before the wedding okay <laughs> uh, and then so I, I did i you know i basically in high school i experimented a little bit um and a good friend of mine came out um our you know, right after our senior year um and i just kind of saw the how his coming out went and he ended up mm. like in therapy and it was just you know it, we grew up catholic so it was just it was a lot of you know all of that thrown into it um very yeah. disappointed parents and i think that scared me far back into the closet um so completely repressed it for college and then after i graduated from college um i met my future fiance we did fall in love i mean you know yeah loved her still care for her um we were together for five years all while i was in law school and she was in grad school and then after we graduated it just the logical next step scene you know, was to propose and to get married yeah. and then uh, did that. Um, and then quickly, very quickly realized that this is not the right path for me. This is not, I'm completely miserable. Well, okay. <laughs> now you say quickly, very quickly, but you also led us through a really long path, <laughs> like through years and years and years. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. And so well, what's, was it that you you know you you went through kind of the ceremonial like mating ritual or whatever where you where you made this proposal and then you're like I can't keep doing this anymore 
or was it like I can't do this to this person that I actually care for? Like it's not right for her for me to move forward in this relationship. Was it all of the above? Did you stop being Catholic until so you're like, oh, I don't feel this external religious pressure? Um, you know. Yeah. So it was definitely all of the above. I um, I quickly realized, you know, as we were moving towards a wedding and like this, we were moving towards something that, for lack of a better word, was you know permanent. Um, or yeah. you know had permanent implications in the catholic faith in the yeah. catholic faith yeah. um that you know what i thought was going to make me happy wasn't making me happy like this is you know this life wasn't mm. going to be as fulfilling as i thought it was going to be so i became very miserable very um unhappy and that was in turn making her miserable unhappy i was we weren't planning the wedding we weren't you know you know a time that should be exciting for a couple I completely just blew up and made um, a nightmare for all involved. So once I realized that, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting her. Like, what, what, yeah. are, what are we doing here? Um, but what a, what a great phrase. You realized it wasn't making you happy. What you had done wasn't making you happy. What you were about to do wasn't making you happy. And so you changed. Yeah. And so you, you decided to do something else. And yeah, it could be painful in that moment. A little late. But... Lots of people around. <laughs> a little late. <laughs> Before you stop praising me for my, my brave decision. <laughs> Better late than never yeah, is right. another expression. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's kind of a, a similar story with your um, professional career in the law. You know, you're like, this isn't making me happy. I need to find something that makes me happy. And I, I kind of suspect that you would have continued to practice until you found something that made you happy enough to leave behind the investment that you've made um, in your in your legal career. And that's comedy for you. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and, and that's probably is very true. Um, well, yeah. self self high five to me. <laughs> to you, yes. Thank you. <laughs> No problem at all. <laughs> um, okay, okay, okay. So let's take a coffee break and then let's actually talk comedy because I feel like we've done a really good job of setting it up. And so now people will be able to understand where these jokes are coming from uh, in the next second. Sounds good. Cool? Yeah. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Bivalent boosters are now available. You can schedule your appointment through your primary care physician, or if you're in Minnesota, you can go to the state-run vaccination sites at the Mall of America in Duluth, St. Paul, Rochester, and Moorhead. Disability accommodations are available upon request at those state-run sites. Right now, most people are not up to date on their boosters and we need to turn that around as we go into the cold season. Please get boosted. You do not want COVID-19. It's just not worth the risk. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. All right, everybody, we are back with Jonathan Thomas, a big law attorney turned stand-up comedian i'm gonna drop aspiring right out of there <laughs> we're moving forward i'm not uh during the first break or first segment we talked about some pretty big changes that you made in your life uh we talked about your first foray into stand-up comedy uh and you told us a joke and so i'd love to start off with another joke if you've got one sure so okay. can i tell a joke that's not mine because i just want to perform it yeah <laughs> Will I get sued? 
lawyer. No <laughs> okay, okay great. But yes. It's a street <laughs> joke. It's very stupid, but it, it's so fun to perform. Um, so two whales are sitting in a bar. You heard this? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> one whale says to the other one, I wish you could see this face, everybody. <laughs> okay. And then the other whale says back to him, man, you're drunk. <laughs> and I love that joke. I just heard it on a podcast recently, and it's it's been the light in my life. <laughs> oh, that's solid. I, I really like whales. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I, I have been known to drink something other than coffee from time to time, so... Oh, I enjoyed so you, that. You get drunk at bars. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, Pre-pandemic, I was like living at bars, I, th- I feel like. <laughs> I have another joke that I'm not going to tell on this podcast, but it's about penguins, and I've just added whales to it. And um, I'm trying to make it my magnum opus. Like, I'm very proud of it. It's, it's I'm Why building it. Because it? well, it's it's that important to me. I'm building, I'm going to build my empire on this, this, this joke. Okay, okay. Well, this is a good time to plug your business. If uh, you're, <laughs> you're budding empire, if people want to see you perform this penguin joke. <laughs> yeah, they have to, like, they have to find me. Find me on Instagram. <laughs> What's your Instagram? Jonathan J. Thomas, three jonathan j thomas three is that your twitter as well yes okay see twitter twitter's got a lot of jokes a lot of people telling jokes on twitter a lot of people true, on instagram true, true. yeah um uh, you know you could have more jokes on your instagram but i've told you that <laughs> why is that uh whale joke funny all right why don't, well, I, I, we can yeah. we can break i can do into one of my jokes because that's well, whatever uh, whichever I, that whale book it's it's too magical i don't want to pull the curtain on that one um okay. <laughs> so i'll do one of mine um have you i you probably have heard this but scientists are saying you could treat ptsd with ketamine and mdma now have you seen that uh i i do have some friends who are pretty excited about that yeah 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 and gay men were like yeah we know yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've, we've been doing that for decades <laughs> oh that's what they've been doing okay yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. Science, okay. Really, science just caught up to what a bunch of gay men learn while holding glow sticks and listening to Robin. <laughs> okay. Okay. Same question. Sure. Why is that funny? And this is a, that'll be okay. You mentioned uh, pulling the curtain back. Yeah. Before, um, which leads me to believe that at some point, if you explain a joke, then it's actually not funny. I thought that was just something people say. Is that the actual? I think if you have to explain it, it's no, I, no, I, I, no, I, no, I don't, I disagree with that actually. Okay. So tell me about pulling the curtain back then. Um, this joke or in general? Uh, well, in general, in general, the expression, right? It's like, uh, it's like you pull a curtain back and you show people how the magic trick actually works. Yeah. And so you were using that in reference to the joke and you did not want to do it for the whale, whale joke, joke because it's too magical <laughs> it's too wonderful it is. <laughs> you don't want to ruin it for people so there's this idea that it like ruins ruins the joke ruins the, the magic for people when you explain to them what the joke is about so we're going to leave that one we're as gonna leave that one, yeah we're not going to talk about the penguin one <laughs> but you know we are going to ruin this ketamine joke today on this podcast that's fine that is perfectly <laughs> fine with me <laughs> i am i am not against interpretation um yeah i think sometimes you know when when you do give too much insight into a joke or you know anything um it does ruin it because you're you're basically 
prescribing an interpretation of it, right? And saying this is how mm. uh, this is how it's meant to be interpreted. This is why it's funny. Um, where it could be open, you know, it could a lot of people could see it from different directions and have different experiences with that joke or that literature or whatever, and find funny in different ways. And you don't want to ruin that. <clears throat> so that's yeah. yeah. Um, but we so can... we'll walk me through the construction of uh, specifically this ketamine joke because I understand where you're coming from, sure. right? Yeah. Like, and I I get it. I get it. <laughs> so I think he started with, and this isn't written down. This is off the top of my head. So I'm very impressed with my ability mm -hmm. to remember this conversation from five minutes ago. Um, did I hear that uh, psychologists or therapists are using ketamine and MDMA mm -hmm. to treat PTSD? True. That's the setup. That's what we call the That's setup. That's the setup. Okay. And then the next part is like so it's almost like a call and response, right? From the <laughs> yeah, like you, you yeah, asked me it's a heard. Yeah, it's I a say, rhetorical question, but it, that's you know use yeah. that because um, the best comedy is conversational. So you know, almost having a conversation, rhetorical question, and uh, and the response is well, and gay men were like, yeah, we know, we've been doing that for decades, yeah. um, and that is the punchline. <laughs> and the punchline is that there are a lot of traumatic experiences in the gay community and we are all self-medicating in some way to cope true yes that's it that's very dark <laughs> <laughs> it is and you know what's great is that it, it gets a laugh every time no matter what room it is it's always work <laughs> i think dark. you're casting some dark magic over people <laughs> it's like the um it's really interesting that you say it. it's always funny and always works because I think if you were to present people with it as a truth and mm -hmm. be like, walk into like, hey, just so you know, uh, there's a generation of gay men who, you know, feel as though they, they have to do something to like cope or overcome a, a trauma. They'd be like, that can't be right. That can't be true. Yeah, exactly. But if you if you phrase it as a joke. You know, it kind of uh, gets through people's defenses and they they're like immediately acknowledge it like you're in a room you're in bars full of straight guys you mm -hmm. say yeah and every time and it works they're them. like yeah yeah yep i can see why yeah, yeah I, I know what i did to my brother i can see that <laughs> i know what i did to my son i understand yeah. it's like it's rough yeah and, and that is incredible i mean that's what's so great about comedy right is that it's disarming in, in the one sense and it's memorable so you can get you can have a thesis you can say something very important something very dark um something very meaningful and get it through mm -hmm. the layers that people put up sometimes um, because you, you're using this Trojan horse of, of a joke of humor. Um, and that's why it's it works almost, so well. It's a Trojan horse. And I think in some cases it can be like a Trojan horse with a time bomb because, <laughs> you know, they'll laugh and they'll remember it. They might even tell the joke to other people and uh, they might come to an experience where they're like oh no <laughs> i might be the reason yeah. why they're having to do this or if they're in the gay community they'd be like oh no i'm traumatized <laughs> might rethink why am i using so much why am i disassociating every weekend <laughs> yeah Maybe i should get a therapist instead of more ketamine yeah um <clears throat> well so is this did this thinking go into this joke ahead of you crafting the joke or did, did you find yourself with the joke first and then you were like why do i keep coming back 
to this joke? I, so I, I, I think the thinking went into it for a while. I was working, I was trying to work through just the, you know, because we were hearing particularly last summer, a lot about um, the use of ketamine and MDMA um, for, mm-hmm. for trauma response, <clears throat> for treating trauma. And um, I kept thinking, I was like, how, how, can I, how can I talk about that and how that's been affecting the gay community for so long? Um, and then I finally yeah. figured out the, you know, the white, right way to construct it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your question? That's a great answer okay. to the question. I'm still unpacking the Trojan horse over here. I think. <laughs> uh, does that kind of tie into, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You know, you submitted a bio with quotes around the word aspiring. So you might not have like a comedic ethos yet or a philosophy developed around your comedy but maybe at least some patterns you know into the types of jokes that you make i think you mentioned that a little bit earlier um and is is that aligned with like the purpose of humor to you like is that is this your lane you know yeah i think so i I do autobiographical and observational humor and um my ethos, my you know, what I find is the purpose of comedy is like any good piece of art. It, it can serve two purposes, right? It can serve either escapism, which mm-hmm. is definitely value to, um, or enlightenment. And I try to lean, you know, I, I think there's more value in, in, in enlightenment and you know, giving somebody a greater understanding of something that they don't already have. Um, so that's like looking at this BTS joke. It's like there's this this trope of oh gay men just like the you know party on every you know every weekend and they just have this carefree life. Well, it's like no, we dig a little deeper here and figure out why you know why these gay men are disassociating so much. Uh, what's going on yeah. there? So yeah, that's that's how I like to approach humor, and that's where I feel most satisfied in the jokes I write. Um, yeah. How do you know? Can you know ahead of delivering a joke if you're if you've got a good joke? It's tough. Um, sometimes, I mean, you can tell like the, by the construction of it if it's like this is well constructed, um, but will the substance will they get? You know, will they get it? Will they get the substance of it? Um, mm-hmm. I use a lot of misdirections. I really enjoy that. So you basically try to lead them tired down. Yeah, excuse me, down one path, and then you you know you switch it up at the end. Um, that's what I find most fun and construction that constructing those are so much fun, but sometimes people don't get it or they're not quick enough to get it, or it's, you know, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit too much for them or over their head. Um, well, that sounded really rude. I can see that. I can see that. If you've got um, like autobiographical humor, mm-hmm. right. And people don't really know you. Yeah. Um, and you've got to like, somehow tie yourself and a little bit of your story into the humor and what 30 seconds yeah yeah, one minute or less i can see that being tough well it's like the you know the first note like when i first knew i was gay joke works pretty well because people do have assumptions on that and it's you know oh we first knew he was gay when he saw marky mark you know (laughs) doing a calvin Klein ad or something like that like we've heard those before (laughs) and then to switch it up into you know something that is very personal it gets them um so that's fun. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you have to so, do these jokes. I mean, that's why, we have to, that's why we go to open mics. That's why we have to do shows so often is you have to practice them. Um, I think maybe I, I don't want to uh, delve too deeply, although, you know, I've already gone pretty deep. Um, for 
these autobiographical jokes. I feel like you have to spend a lot of time thinking about your own experiences. Uh, and are you, I mean, is that part of your process? Do you, are you able to like bill therapy as a business expense or are you <laughs> sitting and meditating? That. Like, yeah, how that's that a work? good idea. <laughs> right off the copays. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that ultimately is the best part of standup um, or at least the best, the most beneficial part of it. Like I, sometimes it's, it can be very draining and it's like, what, you know, is this really going to be a career? <laughs> Will I be aspiring forever? What, what's going to happen mm. about it? But you know, you are you're if you're doing the humor like that i do you are mining yourself and you're trying to dig deep and figure out like who you are what's you know what makes you tick what made you tick why'd you do these things um so it's a lot of introspection and it has to be honest introspection because if you're not being honest the audience is going to know immediately you can't tell a joke they're not going to laugh at a joke that they think you won't say and they get a sense yeah. of who you are you know a better sense of who you are than you have yourself sometimes um, so it does force you to to be really honest. Like I made jokes earlier when I was starting that, you know, I thought we're just going to be funny. Like, you know, if I say this, they'll laugh. And it's like, yeah. and they don't laugh because it's like, you're, you wouldn't say that. And you're a guy that's not going to say that. Um, but another comedian could say it and get away with it. So it, it it forces you to really figure out who you are. And I mean, what's better than that? <laughs> well, it's really interesting that you say that since you didn't. No, so like spent a lot of time <laughs> figuring out who you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was telling, I mean, I was, I was telling myself I was a person, you know, I was very much playing, I was creating that narrative instead of figuring out, you know, or instead of finding the yeah. narrative I was creating the false now narrative. And um, so now I'm, I'm, you know, trying to find the real narrative and make it funny. So far, so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yay. I'm, um, I'm really thrilled about all of this. I'm wondering if you can. So okay, let's let's move away from you for one second, sure. like very briefly. I've been talking about you a lot. <laughs> it's my favorite <laughs> Before we go to coffee break, um, outside of yourself, where do you maybe find uh, inspiration? Are there uh, comics that you like? Is are there authors that you maybe draw some comedic inspiration from? Like one or two. And then we'll go to coffee break. Um, sure. I think I'll, I'll stick with comedians. So my favorite's Eddie Izzard. Um, okay. you know, she's drag queen, right? Um, well, or no, she, she identifies as non-binary and now she uses, um, Oh, she, her pronouns. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't talked about Eddie Izzard since like, incredible. Just, you know, 20. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but her specials like from the late nineties are still just incredible. Um, so mm. always go back to those. I, I love Tignataro. Um, I think oh my gosh. she does it really well. I mean, she talks, you know, she does a lot of dark stuff too. And she does it with just like, such a cool, yeah. like composed manner. And matter of factly, it's unbelievable. Wanda Sykes. Great. Um, yeah. Sam J recently. She's, I really love watching her stuff. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> There you go. Thank you. Give us uh, other podcasts to check out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to take coffee break and we'll be right back. Okay, we are back and I'm verklempt for no reason. Um, <laughs> back with Jonathan Thomas laughing at me and my broken 
Yiddish? Is that Yiddish? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, so in this final little bit, since you are uh, no longer aspiring, uh, no, a no longer aspiring stand-up comedian, I do want people to find you and come support you. Yes. So like, what is the best way for people to support you or find you? Well, the best way is to follow me on Instagram. Like I said, Jonathan J. Thomas 3. And there you will find all the shows that I'm doing, mostly in the New York area, but I also go to LA, uh, Boston, Miami. I've kind of been around a little bit and continue to do so. Um, so you might come to a city near you or you can come yeah. to me. Um, but some exciting news, I am uh, with another comedian here in Boston. We are co-producing our first show. Uh, it's called Mariposas and mariposas yes okay. um and our first show is going to be march 10th at the stonewall inn the historic stonewall inn really yeah how wonderful yeah yeah yeah. very excited it's a unapologetically queer show with some of the best lgbtq comedians oh. in new york it better be gay better be queer. <laughs> <It is. laughs> that was my only thing my only rule on signing on it's like it's a fully queer lineup <laughs> Oh, that's exciting. Okay, so I'm pretty sure then if to the wonderful listeners who uh, catch this podcast on time every time, yep. uh, this Thursday, if I'm reading my calendar right, yep. you will have uh, a show that you should check out at the Stonewall Inn. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and if you happen to miss it because you are late, then you can follow Jonathan on Instagram. What was that Instagram? One more time. Jonathan J. Thomas 3. Beautiful. Thank you so much for this really lovely conversation. Thank you. Um, yeah, I feel oh. like I'm like, I'm going to like explore it later. I'm like, what Trojan horses do I have in me that I, that I need to figure out? <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you so much. And um, hopefully we'll talk soon. Yes. Thank you. This was, this was so nice. <laughs> I loved it. Good. Yay. Bye, everybody. We did it.